inviting us. It is indeed a great honor to be here. Brother Shane, I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Bring my greetings to Reverend John Smith, to Bill, Bill and my uh, Aran, all in that area. We've been out there several times in different areas. We built a church in Esquibo, the right across the way. And so it's been a wonderful... Now, Guyana is a huge place, but if you ever take away the water... You'll be a little itty bitty. There's just land. There's just there's just tremendous beauty there. I've never been out to the waterfalls, but one day I'm getting there. It's on my bucket list. In the name of Jesus, I also want to congratulate you. When I walked up to this church, I could I could just sense that it's a praying church, and it's and, and it's a church that has has the spirit of Jesus Christ in it. We have we were greeted by Terry and John. Uh, William was helping me in the sound booth. Uh, uh, we were even offered a car. We were in the visitor's parking, which is about, I don't know, 50 yards from the church. But somebody came up with one of these carts and says, can we help you old folks? And I said, well, I, I think we can walk ourselves, but thank you for the invitation. I also, uh, I was looking at your roster, and you're, you're supporting around 20 missionaries, and they're from countries like Spain and the Ukraine, Ecuador, uh, International Ministries, Europe, Youth Alive here in the United States, Czech, Czech Republic, Thailand. So anyway, you're, you are impacting the world through the heart for missions. But beyond your giving, when you pray, you start stirring up the powers in heaven. You start crushing the, the obstacles of the enemy. You start releasing life, and those missionaries are energized, and the projects are energized because this church is on its knees, and you can feel it in the people. So I want to thank you for the spirit that I've already felt today. As the pastor was saying, I serve in the Caribbean and the West Indies. I'm the director for, I'm working with about 120 missionaries in about 20 countries, including um, Suriname and Guyana where we're working with different aspects of, of our missionary body. We're, we're educating, we're planning churches, we're having compassion ministries, we, we're working with, uh, with anti-sexual trafficking. There's a lot of things that are happening in the Caribbean. But one of the things that keeps happening again and again and again is hurricanes. Since I've been area director, we've been dealing with Emila, Katrina, Rita, Wilma, Felix, Matthew, Irma, Sandy, and Maria. Now, I don't know how that feels to you, but you might be able to identify that when you come to a thing like a hurricane, we are sometimes weary. My latest, uh, my latest uh, that I've been working with is in an island called San Andros. It's one of the family islands of the Bahamas. October of 2016, it destroyed that island, and I'm just now getting to working in San Andros. In that island, there, there, most of the roofs were torn off. This church happened to be under the rain for a year with, with sheet rocks that were moldy and crushing, and you, could, you couldn't walk into the building. And I recently took a team there, and we worked, and we worked, and worked. And one of my jobs, because I'm not very good in construction, I was on the floor right there for one full week working with mold. Now, I don't know how it is with you, but sometimes I get weary. It's not just the hurricane. It's not just when it hits the news. It's not when the newscaster is predicting where, like, for instance, Irma, who I understand hit Clay County. You might be able to identify with my weariness. 
I understand that in Clay County they had sandbag places where you could go get your sandbags. There's flooding. There's falling trees. There's a power outage for, for about 17,000 for a while. But after the news is gone and after the next hurricane is being reported on and everyone's attention is there, there's still the aftermath of the hurricane. There's still lives that have been impacted by the hurricane. And I just couldn't help but understand that Jesus Christ wanted to give a message to you. I want to talk about the lessons in the storm. I want to talk about that all that Jesus Christ can orchestrate good things from bad things. And I want to, I want to present that to you. And there's a scripture that has just been in the past, like, the, like uh, the pastor was saying, taken for granted. And almost mystical, and almost like you don't you don't pay attention. Romans eight twenty eight. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, and are called according to His purpose. And it's kind of a trite saying. It's something we just sort of talk about. It's something that we just sort of fill in. But I read a script. I read this version from Voice, and it just describes my life recently as an area director dealing with hurricanes. Same passage, but from the the Voice version. We are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything to work together for good and beautiful when we love him and we accept his invitation to love to live according to his plan. I love that concept that in the midst of our storms, in the midst of our challenges, in the midst of our sickness, in the midst of our economic de- de- depression, in the midst of our cultural change, God can orchestrate everything out of even evil and bad work together for good. And I am seeing that over and over and over again in the Caribbean of how God is, is doing a great work in the Caribbean. My notes got out of order. Here we go. We were... I am so sorry. I have just lost my place. And that doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. Okay? I want to talk about three lessons that I have learned in the midst of my experience with hurricanes. And I pray that you'll be able to identify with it too. Number one, God often speaks to us, not in the hurricane, but in the aftermath of the hurricane. Sometimes people hear God the most when your life has been vulnerable and challenged and you have no other resource to go to but a God who's always been there. Number one, the aftermath of the earthquake, God often speaks Number two, some lessons are only learned in the middle of the storm. Number three, what Satan intends for evil, even in the midst of the hurricane, God transforms for good. And I'd like to tie with some some, uh, scriptures and some uh, um, uh, illustrations and all that. I start with a passage that all of you know. It's about Elijah. Elijah was a man of God full of the Holy Spirit. Elijah had power. The height of his ministry was on Mount Carmel where he called the the evil people of the day, the prophets of Baal, and he called them down. And a fire from heaven came down. And he was at the height of his glory and power encounter. But right after that, Jezebel started saying, I'm going to get you just like you did the prophets. And he goes into a time of depression. God has to encourage him. He's at that time when he finally hides in a cave. And he's there hiding from the responsibility of life. And he doesn't want to deal with the, the fact that somebody's after to kill him, an evil person. And when God wakes him up, God tells him to stand at the, the, the mouth of the cave. 
And there's this great storm. But it says God was not in the midst of the storm. Then there's a great hurricane or a great earthquake. And the Bible says God was not in the earthquake. And then, next slide. And then, there, then there, there was a great fire, the presence of, and we talk about Holy Spirit fire and power, but God was not in the fire. And finally, there was this calming spirit. And this is what the scripture says. The hurricane ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God, but God wasn't to be found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but God wasn't to be found in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle, quiet whisper. And this is what the whisper, this is what God whispered to him. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, the man of God who saw the prophets of Baal consumed by fire, running from a woman, tired, depressed, depleted, heard a quiet voice from God. What are you doing here? Get up and go do the mission I called you to. Oftentimes, it's not in the storms. It's not in the crisis. But afterwards, we're dealing with life. We've been stripped of our comfort zone. We no longer are proud and arrogant. And we're on our knees before God, crying out, What am I doing here? God, give me direction. My missionary call was much like Elijah's. I had all kinds of, I, and my intent was to go on, and I was, a, I was an associate pastor, I was making good money, I was, I was fairly decent in speaking English, I had no concept or desire to be a missionary whatsoever, I, I knew a few missionaries, but I had no desire whatsoever, and I went to a class in Vanguard University, I was studying master's program, and in that class, I got inspired and I had an encounter with God, and that encounter with God was destined to change my life. For about a year and a half, we were studying the concept of the kingdom of God and the power of God and the, how God can manifest his glory and power. And the question was, when is this day coming when, when the Christian church and when the men and women of God have authority and power and dominion over their, their community where we can change a culture, where people start thinking about God, where the respect and, and the love of the word of God is there. And, we, and we're talking about all kinds of things, but someone said, listen to the scripture. Jesus once said, if I, by the finger of God, cast out the devil, you're going to taste, you're going to see, you're going to feel the kingdom of God. And regardless of how we understood the kingdom of God, there's something about power encounters. When we can speak to our culture with an anointed words and things change because Jesus Christ is there. And we start asking ourselves the question, if Jesus Christ were here in Fleming Island, what difference would it make? If I had the words and the authority of Jesus Christ to speak to this to the demons and the, and the evil of this culture, what difference would it make? Then we took a missionary study trip to El Salvador and, and to, to uh, Costa Rica. And I'll never forget this experience, walking in front of El Presidente Hotel in San Salvador. And I was there, and I'm walking down the streets, and I had the theological 
question mark in my mind. If Jesus Christ were here in El Salvador, what difference would it make? And I'm walking down five-star hotel. I'm walking down the streets. And uh, but at the time, it was fluent in Spanish. Taco, burrito, enchilada. I didn't have a clue. And I'm in a place where I had no understanding, but I'm walking there, and I saw a mass of humanity, a woman about 35 years old, half naked, but so filthy dirty, she didn't look human. And I went, to, I went past her, and I'm looking down, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God said, if Jesus Christ were here, what difference would it make? And that was not a question that God, that Jesus Christ was looking for an answer. It was a rhetorical question to shake up my comfort zone, to bring the storm of, of, my, of challenging my security to get to think about something beyond me. It was, it was the fire. It was the earthquake. It was the wind, but it was not the quiet voice. And then I went to a, a place called Los Cuadros, and I saw a community of squatters where the stench of urine and, and feces and all kinds of, of trash, where the family had been broken down, where their children didn't know who their parents were, they're on the third or fourth living husband, where the children were, the identity was destroyed, and Satan was there to kill, steal, and destroy. And I watched these kids jump over open sewer line and go to the back of a, a Latin American child care chapel. And I didn't understand. I wasn't from that culture. And I walked in the back of the chapel, and the kids say, Alabare, 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 Senor. I will praise, I will praise, I will praise my God. I had no clue what they were saying. But I saw something in their eyes. There was a hope in the midst of that hopelessness. And that hope was so sacred and so powerful that I fell on my knees right in the middle of the chapel, and I cried, Oh, God. I do not want anything of my own life. If I can be a place where people have hope, where children understand who they are in Jesus Christ, God, I give up everything sent me. I was emotional. But in that quiet moment, God spoke to me. Went home and told Patty the experience, and she put her arms around me and says, that's all right, you're tired. It'll go away. 35 years later, it has not gone away. God speaks to us. Sometimes in the aftermath of our storms, to strip us, to make us vulnerable, to get us to a place where we're hungry and thirsty, and we're quieting our spirit before God's God. What is the destiny? What is the purpose of my life? And God can empower those aftermath experiences and speak to you quietly. But when he speaks, it's going to change your life forever. I had this thing, I think I've got one more slide. There's a scripture that I read, and it just described my experience. From the time of John the baptizer until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful people have been seizing it. It's disturbing, disturbing scripture. I studied and I studied, but finally I came to this understand that there's something about God and his will and his destiny for the world, that the kingdom of God is coming, and God's will is being demonstrated in his power and his majesty and his glory. And there's a set of people that are pressing towards it. And in the moment of impact, everything about man's kingdom is destroyed. And God's power is starting to come to, to, to fruition. There's a power encounter that's disruptive, life-changing, and, and it calls for radical obedience. That, my friend, is the call of God. And I'm convinced that every last person in this congregation has a specific call from God. 
He didn't save you to bless you and to make you spiritually happy. He saved you for His purposes. And when we find His purposes, we are we are on fire. There's something that happens. So God can speak to us in the aftermath of storms. Next principles. Some lessons are only learned in the middle of storms. I love this passage, and I love this question. When is the last time you went through a crisis and you accused Jesus Christ of not understanding and not, not knowing where you were, not caring about what was involved with you? I love the fact that the Scripture has the disciples saying the same thing. Mark, the, the uh, fourth chapter, verse 35 through uh, 41, Living Virgin. As evening fell, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side. So they took him as he was and started out leaving the crowds behind, though other boats followed. As soon as a terrible storm arose, high waves began to break into the boat until they were nearly full of water and about to sink. Jesus was asleep the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. How dare he? He's at the back of the boat, asleep, really comfortable. Frantically, they woke him. They said, teacher, don't you even care that we are about to drown with such confusion? We are going to die. And don't you care? And I can imagine Jesus looks around. He rebukes the wind and the sea and says, quiet down. Peace be still. And the wind fell, and there was a great calm. And then he asked him, why were you so fearful? Don't you even yet have confidence in me? And they were filled with awe, and they said among themselves, who is this man that even the winds and the sea obey him? Why did he use the word yet? Read things in context, and the word of God will come alive. The day that evening he got on the boat. That day he spent the whole day teaching them about faith, the power of a spoken word, the power of the ability to hear. He who has ears, let them hear. If there's a, there was a parable of the, the, the four soils, that was different responses to the spoken word. And some people were hard, some people were, were more open, but shallow. Some people were, were, were open, and that word produced a 30 and a four, of a 60 and a 100 fold. Because they were listening to his word. What's the last word he said to the disciples? Let us get in the boat and go to the other side. And that mustard seed of a word is the last thing he spoke. Jesus slowly relaxed in the storm. He's asleep. And the first word they say to him, you don't care that we're going to die. All day long. Lessons of faith, lessons of ability to hear, trusting in who Jesus is, his glory and his majesty. The lesson was all day long. And then the test or the laboratory of faith was in the storm. And the first thing they said is, you don't care about what's going on. And he says, how is it that you, of all people, are still so fearful? He's saying, haven't you had the ability to understand something? They saw his glory. They saw his majesty. They saw his, his, his dominance, if you will, over the storm. And they said, who is this? This man can speak to the storm. And instantly, it's all right. There's peace. Why is it that sometimes we cannot understand the, the lessons that Jesus Christ has in a Sunday school or, or a church service? Why is it that we have to go through these, these experiences? 
because there's some lessons that we can only apply faith in when we're tested in this faith. I love this missionary story, and one of our missionary families, we uh, call them McClure's, they have, uh, they have uh, four children. They're missionary associates going to Antigua. We're working with the Spanish population in Antigua, so they have to learn Spanish. From their missionary associate budget, they had to raise about $5,000 a month. And because of schooling of all these children, $90,000. That is a huge budget even for a missionary. But this Bethany gal was so sure of herself, and, and, and she's just she was so bubbly, that I thought, maybe they'll make it. And God, I just pray for them, and I pray for them, and pray for them. She called me up about a month ago, uh, October 30th, or October 20th, and she said, I'm believing God for a miracle. God spoke to me and said, believing is leaving. And I'm going to believe God for a miracle. And so my husband and I, Bill and I, have sat together. We said, if we can raise... 80% of our monthly budget, regardless of anything else, we're going to go. On October 30th, some business guys from his church walked up and said, what do you believe in God for? Sir, I'm believing God for 80% of my budget. How much do you lack for 80% of your budget? I need tomorrow, by tomorrow, $570 monthly pledge. The guy comes back to her on Halloween and says, you're believing for it. I'm, I'm with you. You have got your 80%. Now step out in faith. In three months, he was going to language school. The husband, who is a teacher right now, had to quit his job, and now he has no income. They have a house to sell. They have, they have three months to get ready. They, they still lack $50,000 in their monthly budget of the 90. They've raised 40000 And in the, in the natural, it's impossible. But she said, God spoke to me and said, believing is leaving. When she spoke that word to me on the phone, there was something anointed about somebody that said, I have heard from God. I am going to trust in the word that I heard from God. She stepped out. My newsletter on that kind of was, a, was my feeble attempt to help in some way, which helped a little bit. But the next two days, someone from the church, somebody else from the church said, uh, we have, God spoke to us, and we're going to give you an offering, and that offering is going to be $45,000. There is something radical about people who take seriously the spoken word of Jesus Christ, and they stepped out in faith. And I am an area director, and I've been around a long time, and I've seen a lot of miracles. But when people dare to believe in the midst of a storm that God is there, that God manifests his glory in his dominion, there is something that moves the heart of Jesus Christ from heaven, and miracles happen. Fishermen were convinced they were drowning because they were competent on the sea. But all of a sudden, the storms of life became greater than their competence. Their ability to trust and their ability to, to navigate a storm was beyond them. And finally, it was only God. Here's what I'm seeing again and again and again in scriptures. We are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything to work together for good and beautiful when we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. God is in your life. God is in my life. God is in the McClure's life. God is in the, the, the life of this church, and we're going to believe God for this building. God is going to give us this building. As we believe God to provide this building for his glory, 
because there's a plan and a purpose and some lessons we can only learn when we step into our miracles. The next point of this sermon is what God intends, what Satan intends for evil, God transforms for good. I'd like to talk about how good comes out of evil when God is in the midst. I'd like to talk about this Cuban family. This, this little house is a Cuban house. Most of our churches in, in, in Cuba are house churches. And a pastor divides his little house, and they have the congregation meet, and they, and they meet. The storm, the storm Sandy came, and this pastor was way in the, in the campo, the, the really back area. And he had one little, this little, these little books were his library. And this pastor's house, the books were his library. He had two little beds right here and right here. A little congregation of about 100 people, and Sandy was coming, and there was a tin roof. And he was praying, they're praying, they're praying, but Sandy hit them full force, four or five category hurricane. All during the night, he's helped, he put his body right there in front of his books, held on to his family that was underneath him, and they were being beaten by, by, by debris that was being blown around. His back was sore, was cut up, his, his, uh, part of his congregation was under the beds, holding on to the bed. The, the, the roof was trying to come off, and they're holding onto the bed, and they're crying all night long. But this next slide. So the next day I see this family, and they are not fearful, but they are rejoicing. They, they are rejoicing the Lord for, for everything that happened. They, they were there, and they were, they were, everybody in their congregation had suffered greatly. But they were shouting and praising the Lord. And the son, the 10-year-old son, all night long was singing glorious praise. Father, you're worthy. You're worthy. Sandy's blowing and debris going. Father, you're worthy. We just trust you. We rejoice in you. There might be. Next slide. This is what they're saying. Singing praise to God for his, his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may endure for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And they said, I felt secure because I will never be shaken. They were quoting that scripture. They were singing songs in the midst of the storm. They were rejoicing that God is God is God. And they were so energized that they were blessing me they had lost everything. Sometimes Satan comes out and gives his, gives his best. He destroys, he rips, he tears, he tears down. He comes with enemies. But if we have an attitude that we are children of the living God, that we are in his arms, good is going to come out of it. His church was rebuilt. His, his church doubled in size. But here's, what, here's a secret. Next slide. Satan has tried to destroy Cuba. At one point in time, Cuba back in 47 only had less than 1,000 churches. There came a point right about here where they'd got up to about 1,000 churches. It was illegal to grow a congregation. And the minister of religion... Calls in the leadership and says, I'm so tired of the, the, the transportation being gone. I tell you what you do. You're going to meet in homes. And I'm going to write you a right that you're going to have your church in a home. It went from 1,000 right there to about in, in 2011, 6,800. Right now, because of the trials that Cuba has gone through, it is now the fastest growing Assembly of God church in the entire world. When, when Castro brothers have declared God is dead, God says, I am not dead, I'm alive and well, and I'm going to multiply my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We cannot stop the power of God manifesting himself 
when the people of God come to a place where we understand that regardless of what this culture, what happens to our life, God is, is, is going to rule. Jesus Christ is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and we declare his glory to a lost and a dying world. Give God the glory. Last but not least, my own personal experience of this concept. For about three years, the superintendent of the Dominican Republic has asked me to go to St. Martin. Since there's pockets of people, Spanish-speaking people from the Dominican Republic that are in San Martin, I've never had the time. But because of Irma, I had to go. I, because of Irma, I went to San Martin to see these cars. These are brand-new cars that the diesel ships turned over, dumped diesel on the, on the water, and there was a huge fire, and these cars were floating in that fire, and buildings destroyed, 85% destruction in San Martin. And the hurricane caused me to have to go. But next slide. But then I encountered a, a church that has been, that been looking for help from the Assembly of God. They're from Assembly of God background. And they were saying, we have been praying for three years that God would send you. And that weekend was glorious. This pastor, who's a layperson, has planted churches at, at, at Steva and, and Estacio Islands. And we're now got a network of what I call the diaspora the displaced people from other countries, they're now forming a leadership conference, and now there's a denomination being birthed out of a storm. Good things come when God is orchestrating even in the midst of, of the pain and the, the agony, and I'm seeing that God is, is working in a supernatural way. Can I share one more testimony? Are you, you are with three more minutes? My own personal testimony. I almost gave up ministry. I get out of language school. I've got a budget to, to work with the Latin American Child Care Child Hope. But the month before I got out of language school, the main sponsor, Jimmy Swagger, fell. The month I got into the country, my budget of 5500 went down to 500 18 months into it, I was totally broke. We had two schools going. I had to write a checkout for two schools. They were going to close we were in a crisis, absolutely no income whatsoever. And in a moment of desperation, I'm with my staff, and we're praying, oh, God, speak to us, speak to us now. I have to tell you, my English name is Dale. Dale translates in Spanish, hit him. Dale duro. If you're a Spanish speaker, you know that the dale duro means like hit, hit him hard, or you get behind the truck and go, give it, give it. So that's my name, some pride maybe, but I go by Esteban, my middle name in Spanish. So we're, we're there praying. We're praying, oh, God, we're desperate. The money's gone. There's no way. I've, I've, I've committed my life to this. I had a call. I was moved. But there's just no way I can do it. And all of a sudden, Francie, our, 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 our Dominican director, started going, Woo! 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 Stephen! Stephen! Woo! Woo! Okay. Now, I'm a, I'm a man. And I have to confess, I don't always understand women. So I calmed her down. I said, Francie, what are you saying? Step into the water. Step into the water. Step into the water. Oh, step into the water. Francia, what are you saying? That's David. You know how that they carried the ark of God's glory and presence and covenant into a raging water and acted as if the, the, the river is going to, to uh, part? We need to do that. Okay, Francia, what do you mean by that? You know how we got two schools that, that we can't keep going for another week? Yes. God spoke to me. Open two more schools. Oh, she is not, not understanding your Spanish. Tell me that again. Open two more schools. And then she said something very cruel. 
He said, Esteban, will you pray about it as if God had an opinion? And it was agonizing because I heard God speak the same thing. Not comfortable following the will of God. It is risky. It is radical. It is scary. It puts you to a place where you're totally dependent on the one who, who promises and you better believe his word. So I did what the reluctant prophets always do. I said, okay, Francia. I filled out some case injuries as if God was going to sponsor two more schools. Three days later, I had Tony Fernando, the baseball player, is this working? in my office, and he was part of our, our, our church, Calvary Assembly of God in, in Santo Domingo. So I had in my mind, my little, my little faith had in my mind, I'm going to get him out to one of our schools. He's going to see the program where he's going to see the kids that need to be sponsored $32 a month, and he's going to write me a check for $32 a month, and I use this testimony if slowly because, you know, I'm pretty slow. God's going to supply. Took him out to the school, brought him back to the office, and he was rude. I kept saying, when you sponsor this one kid, how many kids you got, got going? What do you mean? What's your next project? Well, Via Riva, but, but Tony, when you sponsor this one kid, well, how much does it cost? $32 a month. Now, Tony, pay attention. Pay attention here. Can I use your phone? Huh. I said, okay. He said, by the way, when people sponsor, do they have to do it monthly, or how do they do it? I said, any way they want to do it. And I was, so t- I, was, I was irritated because he wasn't following my plan. Yes, is this Del Code? Yes. Are you the director of LACC for the Dominican Republic? Yes. I'm, I'm Tony's financial manager. Would it be all right for us to write a check out for the entire project for the entire year? Is that okay with you? In a moment of time, the impossible became possible because God spoke. And when God speaks... Doesn't matter the intensity of the storm or what Satan intended for evil. God orchestrates for good on our behalf. So I want to encourage you, and I want you to I want you to think about this for your life. I don't know what storms you've been through. And if you're kind of like reeling from the last storm, but God is speaking to us as a congregation right now. A quiet voice. It's not the winds, it's not the earthquake, it's not the fire. But there's something sacred about this moment. God is speaking to you. You know what he's speaking to you about. I don't. He's speaking life to you. He's speaking hope to you. He's giving you visions that's stirring up what you allowed to be torn apart as Satan has lied to you because he's come to kill, still, and destroy that vision, that dream. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. It might be a job, it might be believing for a relative, it might be believing for the house, it might be committing yourself to missions, whatever it is, it's God. And it's beyond you. But there's a quiet voice speaking right here to you. And if you're stubborn, there's only one way God can speak to you, take you through another storm if you want to. I'd prefer not to. But sometimes when God is acting, asking you to step out, it's liquid, it's not solid, it's, it's impossible, it's not logical. But God is saying, step out in the midst of the storm and know that when I say all day long about faith, it's not until you apply that action, step into that faith, that God is going to meet your needs according to his riches and glory. And I want to have a transformation of your thinking. Satan is telling you he's out to kill, steal, and destroy you, but Jesus is whispering, I'm orchestrating life 
I'm orchestrating good. I want you to stand right now. And I want you to stand and I want you to close your eyes. I don't know.